This is episode number 143 of Patrick Jones Baseball, and on this episode we have Dan Gratz. Dan is currently the head softball coach at North Iowa Area Community College. Um, in this episode, he talks about you know what it's like to uh, be a junior college coach and to uh, you know not be in softball full time because he does have another job at the school as well, and just talks a little bit about you know how he runs his program. One of the things that I've really noticed, uh, the more softball coaches that I've, I have uh, talked to, is there are some incredibly smart coaches out there in the softball world. Um, we had Rachel Folden on before, and she is um, she was dynamite. And I've been to her facility, and now speaking with Dan as well. And you'll you you know everyone out there listening will will get a really good understanding of how smart he is, and he has some really cool ideas on how he runs um, his practices and his program. So I think uh, I think everyone will get you know a good amount of information information and it'll definitely will help. If you're currently on social media, there may have been times where you feel overwhelmed or bombarded by all these huge words and all these different drills and techniques and you don't even know where to begin when it comes to coaching your players. Well, that's exactly one of the reasons why I decided to put together my own coaches course so I could kind of uh, teach all the coaches out there in a simplistic manner everything you need to know how to teach it to your players, how to understand um, some of the newer technology that's out there in the, in hitting and pitching. And it's something that is uh, of great value. We've had a lot of great success and a great, great feedback so far. So uh, make sure to head on over to my website, patrickjonesbaseball.com. You'll see the course icon and the top, and um, the course is right there. So head on over, patrickjonesbaseball.com. Click on the course and the menu item, and it'll be right there. Here is Dan Gratz. All right, we are now live with Dan Gratz, who is the head softball coach at North Iowa Area Community College. Um, Dan, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate you having me. So give all, give all the listeners a little bit of your background. Um, I know you're in softball. Has it always been like that? Or, you know, just kind of give everyone a little bit of your background. Sure. Yeah. So I started um, in softball coaching when I was in college. I was a student assistant at Cornell College um, where I actually went to wrestle. I, I um, you know, it's interesting. I didn't play baseball a ton um, through high school. Um, mainly because wrestling just took so much time, but I always loved the sport. I just, I just didn't have enough time to devote to it. Um, and then, so I started coaching softball, basically thinking in my mind, like, Hey, I've coached baseball. Like I played baseball. It's, it's gotta be very similar. And in, you know, in short, it is similar, but there's so many differences. Um, so I started with that. Um, the nice thing about in Iowa is we play high school baseball and softball in the summer. So I was able also to coach high school. Um, ball through the summers. Um, and uh, so I got it. I was a head coach at Cedar Rapids Kennedy, one of the bigger schools in the state here. Um, in that time, after I graduated from Cornell, I went to John Wood as an assistant coach, uh, John Wood Community College uh, in Quincy, Illinois. I was still coaching high school at the same time. Um, and then <clears throat> for really the first time, kind of after a few years of doing that um, as kind of, I don't want to say a hobby, but um, as, as kind of a part-time thing, um, I, uh, had the opportunity to go to Iowa as the director of softball operations, at the university of Iowa, um, which was great. Got to meet a ton of people, um, you know, that are both in baseball and softball and, and learned a ton, um, you know, kind of what it takes to, to 
to run a high level program. Um, but mainly I think I learned that I wasn't a director of ops. I wanted to be a coach and, and be hands-on. Um, and then that kind of led me here to Nyack. Um, and so now I'm the head coach here at Nyack and I've been, we're, I, two years ago this month I got here. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at now. So what does it take to run a high level program? Well, I think I, I just, the amount of behind the scenes work, I think is what I didn't quite understand. I always prided myself in being pretty organized. Um, but at high, at, at JUCO in high school, it's pretty basic and simple. Um, it, when I went to Iowa, um, we were always moving, you know, obviously an entire team, but also all the support staff. Um, so what it took to get that many people from place to place and, um, meals and hotels and, you know, some of the behind the scenes player development stuff and just a lot of different stuff. And, and again, I, um, my office happened to be right in with baseball. And at that point, uh, when I was there, uh, Desi Druschel, who's now with the Yankees and Pete Lawrenson, uh, who's now with the Indians were, were there. And so I had offices right next to those two guys. And so I got to see not only just softball stuff, but also a ton of baseball and really kind of what went into all that. Um, and so, yeah, that was a really beneficial year for, for me. And so I know you're the head coach right now um, at your school. Like, what do you envision for the future? Well, you know, I, it's, it's hard to say. You know, everybody, I, I think it's it's one of those things where um, you never want to leave where you're at because you're always building something really good. But like most coaches, I think my goal is to coach the highest level. And and so obviously right here, right now, we want to try to take NIAC. I think, you know, we were a top 10 team last year in you know, do uh, D2 Juco. And, um, and so our, our plan is to kind of continue that, that path. And, um, you know, after this, I don't know, obviously, you know, like I said, you don't, you never want to leave, but it's unfortunately just kind of the nature of our profession. You just bounce from place to place. And um, so now it's just about trying to build what we can at Nyack and, and win at the highest level. And then we'll see what happens after that. So when you say you want to go to the highest level, like what would be the highest level for, for you? Well, in softball, I mean, Right now, the Pac-12 and the SEC, um, you know, I, I had a, a year under my belt in the Big Ten. And um, obviously, I wasn't coaching and, and didn't have a direct hand in, in player development or anything like that. But um, I've, I've seen it. And I, you know, just kind of my arrogance is I, I believe that, you know, we can we can with a lot of work, we can get there. And so um, that's the plan. Um, and, and what that looks like, I don't know. But, um, you know, you're always you always end up where you're supposed to be. So. Um, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep that, that goal in mind, but, you know, try to be where we're at right now. Yeah, no, no, no question about that. What, um, what have you learned, um, since you've been a head coach and you've been a head coach for a few years now, what kind of things have you learned that maybe you didn't know before? Um, I, there's just a lot of little things that eat, eat up your time. And so I, I'm, I'm, I've been really lucky over the last couple of years to have great assistance and to be able to um, help me with some, some of that, um, you know, the little things, um, whether it be, you know, just player lives or, um, you know, some of the details of travel or just that type of stuff. And so, um, you know, those it's trying not don't let the little things eat up a ton of your time is my, my biggest thing that I've learned. Um, but then also, you know, the, the beauty of being a head coach is you get to guide and go in the direction that you feel like is best. Um, you know, and obviously we take a ton of input from our support staff and our, our assistant coaches. And, um, but our program is very much different, 
um, from the norm and uh, some of the things we're doing are very different, which is which has been uh, kind of a realization over the last few years. So how do you um, th- this is kind of a this this question always intrigues me because everyone, you know, there's every player is a little bit different. But how do you get your players to buy into what you're doing? Well, you know, it's it's a great question because um, softball is is behind baseball quite a bit in terms of um, in terms of just player development stuff. And so, you know, we use a ton of tech and we're really lucky, especially at a a JUCO to have um, the amount of technology we have. Um, And that allows us to be um, very clear and concise about what's happening um, instead of being, you know, kind of using the eye test. And so that's been the biggest thing. And it leads us to ask a ton of questions of our players and um, sometimes prove them wrong. And I think that's a challenge. I don't want to say prove them wrong. I don't think that's a great way to put it. But um, they kind of prove what's not happening, maybe. And uh, so that's always been tough. And easily the biggest part of that is is just getting them to trust us and trust the technology. And just, hey, this is just a tool to help you get better. Um, so really, you know, that's been the toughest part, you know, kind of like you said, is the buy-in. And, and I think once we get past that, the second piece is just the understanding um, because it's so far behind in softball. A lot of the things that we put, um, give our players to utilize, they don't really know what it means. So it could be as simple as exit velocity. Um, they're not really sure what that means when they get here. So we, we're trying to do a lot of groundwork on the front end to build up their knowledge of what some of these metrics mean. Um, or, you know, rotational velocity of your pelvis or, or things like that. And so, you know, we, we love this stuff. And so we try to meet our players where they're at. And if they really want some, uh, you know, take as much as you can, we can give them. Um, some love to do that. Some don't really care. They just want to know what they're trying to do and, and, you know, would rather not know the details of it. So, um, so yeah, I think that's been our two biggest pieces right now. How has, how has the technology helped you as a coach? I think, like I said, I think the biggest thing is it just takes the guessing out of it. Um, it's really just, hey, this is exactly what um, we're seeing. Or, no, hey, we're not seeing this. And, and you know, so what you think you're doing, what, it, what is actually happening are, are two different things. And so um, we're trying to, you know, that's been our greatest benefit so far. Um, but also we dive really deep into, into technology, um, and, and, and analytics and, and just data in general and just track it over time. And so, you know, for us, um, having the understanding of, all right, here's where the person is as for a baseline test. Um, and then here's where they are after test one and test two. And so it allows us to objectively know whether or not our, our players are getting better. And if they're not getting better, why is it, is it because they're not understanding, is it because there there's an injury risk? Is it because you know some effort stuff? Just, so it just narrows down the possibilities of of you know why they're not getting better. And if they are, great. Let's keep that keep them on that path. And um, obviously, that's what we want to see is a positive growth um, throughout their time with us. So it's it's interesting to hear you say how softball is behind because when I think of baseball, I think of especially like specifically hitting. I feel that it's so far behind pitching in baseball. So to hear uh, that there's not, you know, softball is behind uh, baseball and hitting. It's kind of, it's weird, but to me, but the more, you know, I, I hear about it and hear you talk about it, it makes sense. It's like, wow, it must really be behind then. 
Yeah, and it's it's you know people are starting to get into. It. We're making significant gains in softball, but we have just like you know like any Twitter conversation. Um, when we put stuff out there, um, we get a lot of pushback on it, and we don't just put stuff out you know, just because we think it's cool. We spend a lot of time doing a ton of research, you know. So like our over the summer, uh, or I guess last spring, our one of my assistant coaches, Devin, he uh he went through um thirty uh postseason softball games and collected all the outcome data for um every single at bat. And so what that allowed us to do is essentially create um something that I mean we, we have the data telling us like what positions are getting um, more balls and, and, you know, what positions should be valued higher than others and um, how we should be training those types of players. And, um, you know, a certain type of skill sets fit certain positions. And he was able to put it all together and put it out on Twitter and it got a great response, but it also got a ton of pushback. And because it was different than I think most people thought um, the game should be. And uh, in and softball, then, you mean pushback from the softball community? Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, the goal was it, because it was only softball, um, we didn't ever say anything about baseball because it, I think the games are too different in that respect. But um, in the softball community, we got a ton of pushback just on, oh, you know, a lot of people loved it and really wanted it and, and wanted to utilize it. And absolutely, we're trying to share this and grow the game. But at the same time, we got a ton of pushback and just saying, nope, that's not accurate. And obviously, we would love to have way more data points. We just don't have the 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 time to be able to watch a thousand games and get you know ten thousand data points. Um, but you know, from thirty games, we had well over two hundred and fifty data points, and that's a that's a pretty good sample size. Um, you know, for an initial kind of baseline, and uh, you know, they were trying to argue just based on what they had seen and what their minds had processed. And I don't think that's, I think that's the reason softball is behind is because we have a lot of people trying to just say, I've, I've been around this game a long time and I've seen this and, and we basically, we say, all right, prove it. And <laughs> so that that's easily the biggest reason why, you know, we get pushback. So do you believe that the softball swing is different than the baseball swing? Not as not nearly as much as people say. I think obviously we're trying to we're, we're all trying to hit a ball coming at us, which is a challenging skill in itself. Um, but I think there's so many similarities, um, you know, and there's people all over softball that say the same thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I there's there's still um, a lot of uh, there's still a lot of work to be done on figuring out the actual vertical drop of a softball pitch compared to a baseball pitch. I think Rapsodo and. Um, track man and those types of technologies will really help us with that. Um, but I'll use us as an example. We're teaching a positive approach angle in our swing, um, as is baseball, maybe not quite as steep, but we're still trying to lift the ball and, um, the ball is still moving downward in softball. Gravity tells us that. And so, um, I think they're very similar in a lot of ways. And, um, I think it's too simplistic to say they're, they're completely different. It, it, there's too many similarities to, to say that. Well, I guess like the way I look at it is, um, you know, you have soft toss in, in baseball, right? Everyone does it. I know it's not the most ideal thing, but the fact of the matter is you can't throw a thousand balls a day. So everyone does it. If I'm working with a player and we're doing soft toss, I, I and then I start, then I go back and throw, <clears throat> I'm not going to be like, all right, now let's change your, change your swing completely now, now that I'm going to be throwing overhand. You know what I mean? Like it's the same swing. Like I don't really give them 
you know, there's not two different swings, one for soft toss and then one for BP, even though Correct. one's throwing overhand and one's underhand. It's the same swing. I mean, do you get kind of where I'm coming at? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because when you guys are kind of doing those underhand flips um, in baseball and I, we get to see a lot of our practices and, and that's not a, a full time thing. But when you're doing that, it's literally the exact same thing as us pitching. Right. Um, and so, no, I, I again, like I said, I, I don't want to get too far into that, but I, I think absolutely that the swings are are far more similar than they are different. Um, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things that you know, if you if you don't want to see that and you want to continue to to say that the swings are different, then you know go for it. But don't um, don't be surprised when you know players start start to move away from you um, for saying that. Now, how do you guys you guys do have a lot of technology? Like, how do you guys afford all that at junior college? I know tons of of D one <clears throat> programs who can't afford um, some of the stuff you guys have. So, yeah, we do. We're really lucky. And our, our athletic director and our administration have given us a ton of support. Um, some of the things, so we generally will pair together. So us in baseball, uh, baseball has been great to us. Um, they've shared everything, um, whether that be, you know, plyo balls to baseballs to machines to technology since I've gotten here. They've been awesome about that. Um, so we we literally share every single piece of technology that we have. So we have... Um, Rapsodo for both hitting and pitching. We have KVest, um, who we've actually also brought in our, our golf coach as well. So they're kind of getting into that as well. Uh, we have Blast. We've, I've used Diamond Kinetics in the past. We have Diamond uh, Kinetics balls uh, for, you know, measuring spin metrics for our pitchers. Um, you know, we're, we're we're pushing hard for an Edgertronic. I don't know if we'll get that. Um, Jeez. You... It's, it's, it's one of those... Uh, the more value we can create for a larger group. If it was just for softball and our 15 to 20 players, absolutely we wouldn't have all this stuff. But because it's touching multiple programs, I think they're more likely to, you know, to approve us. And uh, so anyways, yeah, it's, it's, we've got a ton of uh, right now, obviously we don't have Edutronic. We're using just iPhone slow-mo cameras and, and um, you know, we've got a GoPro our baseball group is using and um, you know, but you know, we've got projectors and, and laptops that are kind of old that our school was kind of given to us or, you know, that were that were being cycled out. And so a lot of this stuff is just um, kind of collecting old stuff and, and making it work for us. And a lot of it is, you know, kind of the newer stuff of, of being able to get the support to buy some of that stuff. What do you think of the Diamond Kinetic um, uh, spin rate ball? Um. So we actually did this uh, a few weeks ago, and and I'll sorry I'll answer your question in in this piece, but uh, or a few months ago I should say we put together a list of things. If we only had five hundred dollars to start a program, because right now it, we just listed all the tech, and literally we're spending thousands upon thousands of dollars on tech, and not everybody's going to have that. And so one of the things we actually put in there was the, the diamond kinetics um, ball, and the reason is is because it can give you um a, a lot of what you might be looking for um out of a rapsodo um i'm not saying you know i'm not comparing the two by any means but i am saying if you are limited on on cash then definitely you know that's a, a huge piece uh, that diamond kinetics ball that you can use um and we use it for our pitchers so obviously we have one rapsodo and uh, you know i kind of talked about us sharing between baseball and softball so if we're not able to use it on a certain day or or if we're, we have we have five pitches on our staff so if we're not able to 
um, to get everybody on it, then they're going to throw that um, DK ball so they can get some metrics, you know, um, and just kind of get an idea of what they're doing. So we're just not aimlessly throwing and, and not really doing a whole lot. Anytime we can put a metric on them, absolutely. So we have two of those. Um, so at any point, uh, some of our pitchers can be can kind of know what's going on. Whether it can be as simple as just we might just be looking for spin axis, you know, um, because we're trying to work on a specific pitch. So um, so they've been great for us. How accurate would you say they are? I think they're close. They're definitely within five percent. Um, you know, we've we've been studying both at the same time. So we'll throw somebody on Rapsodo, and, and actually Rapsodo just came. <laughs> they, the pitching was causing some issues, and so they just updated that. So now we're in the process of redoing um, kind of our our mini test just to see how close they are. And even if it's a little bit off, again, it's not necessarily. Um, it's just about trying to give us a, a, a general idea. Um, while it's not maybe perfect, it's still better than the eye test you know it's still better than saying oh yeah i feel like that was pretty good and and so you know just having that ability to put something on is, you know a metric on every pitch has been huge uh, but like i said they're they're very they're close i mean they're not spot on every time um, but they're very close and they've done you know dk has done a great job with that to to get it as as accurate as as it is so you got your team has all these uh, different pieces of, of technology and everything, which I'm sure sounds overwhelming to some people. But how do you <clears throat> implement it right into your practice? Like, do you just take one day and just it's just straight up testing day, and then retest in a month or something? Yeah. So we just did. Uh, obviously, late baseball helped us with that, getting a baseline. Um, we uh, we do test. So like right now, we're in a development period. Um, so JUCO is great because we don't really have a calendar. We we still follow you know kind of a D one calendar and stay well within eight to ten hours. Um, we actually practice six hours a week um, right now, but we're in a twenty three day training phase, um, three days a week uh, for the about eight weeks, and. So we, we did a baseline test two weeks ago, and now we're kind of right in the heart of that. Um, and we'll uh, retest right before they go home for, for um, holiday break. And, uh, and then we'll kind of retest again when they get back and do another training phase, building up to um, March when we start games. And then, um, and then we're in game phase. So we have a game phase in the fall, game phase in the spring, and then two training phases kind of sandwiched in between there. You guys only get six hours a week to practice? No, not necessarily. We just happen to we just do that uh, more for student athlete well being. So we it's really hard. I was an athlete, and it's really hard to go through a ton of training time when you're there's just really not a whole lot to look forward to, if, especially if you're not like a process oriented or growth mindset type of person. Um, it, it can just feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again. So. Um, so we only train, we ask our players to come in. So they lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday from seven to, um, eight, and then they have small group work on Monday, Wednesday, Friday as well. So really they're only training about six hours a week right now. Um, and we found that that's actually, it's, it's producing huge gains. Um, I'm a huge recovery person. And so it's allowing them to have four full days of recovery. And so when they're doing work with us, um, it's a ton of reps and it's fast paced for about an hour, hour and a half. And then, you know, they're, they're off for a day or two, depending on which day you're in. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's again, JUCO, the, <laughs> there's, there's not many rules. Um, you know, it's, everybody kind of jokes, JUCO's the Wild West. So we really try to, um, 
give ourselves some rules and, and make sure that we're doing what's best for our athletes and keeping them healthy and keeping their minds right and keeping them engaged. So that's kind of where we're at just for our program. I, I like that just school of thought. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever talked to anyone, a college coach who only has their athletes when you could have them practicing. Literally, like you said, there are no rules. I'm practicing like hours and hours and hours every week. I think it's just less is more. And I think so many times everyone's just standing around and everyone's just practicing just to practice versus get your work in and then get out. Absolutely. So one thing that I found, like when I was 23, when I first started coaching is I, I, because so wrestling has been really good for me and, but it's also caused some, you know, some issues. It's a little different culture, but anyways, one of the things in wrestling practice is everybody's always doing something like always. So you could practice for an hour and a half and just constant motion. Um, and so when I would go to like softball or baseball, you'd, you'd be taking like fungo, right. And you're standing there for 20 minutes and get three reps. And, and so that's for me has always been something that we've tried to avoid. Um, so like when we do small group work, we never have, sometimes we have one or two, sometimes we have, you know, we never have more than five players at a time. And so that allows them when they're in, um, they're going to get, you know, a hundred swings in, you know, 30 minutes and they're going to get, you know, 40, um, ground balls in five minutes, you know, just, just whatever it might be working on on that specific day. Um, and, uh, and so it, it really keeps them engaged and makes, they don't really have time to become disengaged. If they're not, then, you know, things aren't going to go well for them. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a different philosophy. Absolutely. We know that, but, you know, kind of going back to being a head coach, it allowed us to, um, kind of make our own decisions and figure that out. So, you know, it's, it, we're still developing at a really, really fast pace and our numbers can prove that. Um, and so we'll continue to kind of do it this way and, you know, value student athlete well-being as much as we can. I think one of the things, um, that a lot of people may not realize too is, is, um, especially since you are a head college coach, um, is that you still have other jobs you have to do at the school. Um, can you talk a little bit about how it's a little bit different at a junior college, even though you are a head head coach um, versus at like um, a division one school? Yeah, absolutely. We, so we all have, so like, I'll go back to my time as a director of ops, right. Um, at Iowa. So that was my full-time job. Um, you know, 70, 80 hours a week, whatever that looked like, which was awesome. And, uh, it was great, you know, to be able to devote all your time to that and, and just really do that. Um, here, um, it's very much, uh, you know, a lot of my time is, is taken up by, by being a academic counselor and doing that piece. Um, well, I really enjoy it. I work with industrial and ag students, which is kind of my background as it is. It still takes time away from things that, um, I might be wanting to do. So I spend a lot of time doing those things outside of, of, I don't know, normal work hours or whatever, which is okay. I love it anyways. Um, but I do, you know, I, I recruit at night. We do a lot of that stuff. My wife has been great. Um, you know, I feel really bad sometimes when I'm on the road all the time, but I still have to work like in the summer here. I, I said, we played high school softball in the summer. Um, so I'll work an eight hour day, um, doing kind of advising work and then I'll go recruit all night. And which is, again, that's the coaching life as it is. But at the same time, um, we've never been able to devote 100% of our time. So a lot of the things we're doing is, you know, on weekends and nights and, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be able to, to, to leave throughout the day to be able to go work with our athletes. But, um, it's a, it's a struggle. Our wrestling coach is an admissions advisor or counselor. 
a basketball coach is a counselor, baseball coach Herg is in housing, um, you know, and so everybody here has a second job. And, and so we all have to find that balance, which is a challenge, but it's just, you know, it's the Juco life. So we, we love it. No, definitely. I think that's just a newfound respect for, for everyone, um, coaching, uh, Juco for sure. Um, I'm going to start doing this a little bit, actually a little bit different where I'm going to actually give you the mic for now. Um, this, this is going to be the last part. And if there's anything you want to say or tell anybody or explain, or just, you got the mic and kind of say whatever you want from, from here on out. Well, yeah, you know, obviously I appreciate, appreciate that. You know, we're, we're really trying to change the game in every way possible. And I talked a, a little bit about, you know, how different our program is than the traditional softball programs. Um, and, you know, everything we do, our intent is to make the on-field product so much better in softball. Um, and, and I'm not saying it's bad by any means because it's right now the third most watched sport in NCAA sports and, you know, all those, you know, statistics and there's a ton of money in the game, but at the same time, it can still be so much better um, and create so much more depth. And so in order to do that, we have to ask a ton of objective questions and, um, you know, we, we, we question everything and we study everything we can possibly study. And I know that frustrates a lot of people that have been around the game a long time, but, um, if we're not, then we're, we're not, we're kind of doing the game an injustice. So, um, you know, everything that we do here, um, without support i would love to have a manage a team of managers that you know 10 deep but we just don't have that and so um you know it's just a matter of trying to utilize as many resources as possible like elite baseball um you know to bring them in and help us and and kind of you know bridge the gap a little bit for us in terms of you know knowledge we don't have or time we can save or things like that um but really as much as we can you know our goal is just to continue to help this game grow um there's great coaches all over softball right now at every level that are trying to do the exact same thing we are, whether that be from hitting, uh, pitching, defense, um, you know, whatever that looks like. Everybody's trying to make the game better. So, it, you know, anyways, it's it's just a, it's a long process. We love doing it. Um, but I think what we're doing, you know, kind of in the north Iowa, the middle of nowhere, Mason City, Iowa, um, you know, there's some pretty good stuff coming out of here. So we'll keep doing what we're doing. But right now you know it's 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 the winter in iowa there's not a whole lot to do but let's study softball and and work out awesome dan thanks so much for coming on today i appreciate you having me we'll talk to you soon